So I've noticed something uh, from growing up um, back like 20, 30 years ago. Um, there's been this huge shift in the way we drink coffee. Okay, now let me, let me, I mean, co- I mean, just put an IV in me in the morning, right? Just, just, you know, we, how many just love coffee? Let's just, let's just thank Jesus for coffee this morning. Thank you, Lord, for coffee. Mm, we love you, Lord. Yeah, people are yelling out tea. All right, whatever. Okay, whatever, tea people. Whoa, that was not the reaction I was hoping to get. Um, tea's okay, okay. Um, amen. Okay, calm down. You guys are all, you drank too much coffee this morning. That's the problem. Um, and what I've noticed is, like, when I was a kid, um, you know, because I'm the, the Gen X, when I was a kid, um, uh, basically coffee was black, or you could get cream, or you could get sugar. That's it. That, that's what you were offered, you know, or you had Sanka, which... Whatever that is, okay? Um, you ever get offered Sanka? Like, hey, I've got coffee. Like, oh, great. Fresh brewed? No, I've got Sanka in the cupboard that's been there from 1975. No, that's not what I want. I want the fresh brewed stuff. So we've seen this big change in coffee. And now it's, it's amazing um, the different flavors you can get in your creamers, right? You can get vanilla, and you get caramel, and you get mocha, you get mocha frappe. You know, you get all these different, like, flavors. It's, it's crazy. And people, like, right now, people are just going crazy um, for the pumpkin spice flavor it, at Starbucks, this is like a big thing now. People like stand in line. Like, when are they going to bring it out? Are they going to bring it out in August? It's going to wait till September. I can't wait that long. I got to have my pumpkin spice flavored coffee now. It's crazy how we can customize our coffee now. And can we all agree we do live in a culture where we can customize everything to our liking, right? So you got a lot of shows on TV now, whether it's customizing on a car or customizing your house or however you want it. Now we can, um, the big thing now in restaurants is, you know, you can, it's a counter service where you can go up to the counter and you got everything before you and they're cooking before you and you can say, yeah, I'll have tomatoes. No, I don't want tomatoes. I have guacamole. I have this. And you can just choose what you want. Remember the day when you were a kid where you just got what you were served? You didn't have a choice, right? This is what we're having. We're having tuna casserole tonight. And you're going to like it, right? We're having hamburger helper, which is good, by the way. It's good. Come on. Hamburger helper is good, right? And you'd have all the crock pot meals, right? How many are with me? How many are old like me? You remember the crock pot? You know, and so everything is like customized. And I was thinking about this for our last series, uh, the book of Judges. Next week, we're going to jump into the book of James and look at and look at what authentic Christianity really looks like. I'm real excited about that. Uh, But we're in our last uh, series, last message in the book of James. And what's interesting, if you look at the latter half of the book of James, what it's going to do for us is give us kind of an insight of actually what was happening in the life of Israel. Now, we've been kind of given like a drones view of Israel, like God raising up these leaders to help uh, deliver Israel out of 
um, bondage from their enemies. And we're kind of getting this overview of God lifting up a leader. And then we understand that they were rebellious against God and they would crowd to God. And, and let me give you kind of the circle of judges here. I have the thing here. If we remember this, it's like, you know, the people rebelled and then God is angry and then they're oppressed by their enemies. And then the people cry out and then salvation through this chosen judge or leader that God raises up. And as long as that leader lived, um, there was peace, and then when they died, it would go right back into the same cycle. And that's what we see in the book of Judges, which happened some 1,200 years before Christ. And so we see this horrible circle, but what we're going to see today, and what I wanted to finish with, is kind of looking at the book of Judges on the ground. Like, what was going on in the heart of the people that, that caused them to live in this just circle of just not serving God and then calling out to God and just this horrible thing. And I, I don't want to listen. I, I do think that if, if we're not careful, um, I believe what Israel did. And the reason why they're caught in the cycle is they reshaped God to what they wanted. They, they really, they weren't really serving God and the way he wanted and what he wanted for them, which I think caused a lot of problems in, in their life. And if we're not careful, we can do, the exact same thing. We can kind of shape God, customize God the way we want. Uh, it's interesting, Thomas Jefferson, our third president, actually um, created his own Bible called the Jefferson Bible or the Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth. It was a book. And what he did was he used a pen knife to remove all the sections of the gospel that he found unreliable, especially the number of miracles that were attributed to Jesus. So you just kind of, nah, I don't like this, we'll cut this out. I don't like this, we'll cut this out. And I'm afraid maybe if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. That we can look at the word of God and we can say, ah, I don't really like that. Or, or maybe that's not what God is saying, right? And our hearts can end up not serving God the way God wants us to serve him. And then we wonder why we're in this reciprocal relationship where it's up, down, up, down, up, down. And so we're finishing this study and, and I want us to just guard our hearts against our hearts, not being sensitive to what God really has for us. And I I think the further and further we get away from God's word and, and what God's will is for our life, we end up creating this God who ends up really just serving our needs that we want and not really a God that we realize that it's a privilege to serve him. And there are going to be times in our lives where God's going to ask for this obedience and things that are going to happen in our lives that aren't going to make sense. And, and when those things happen in our life, when things don't make sense and kind of the rugs pulled out from underneath us, we're going to realize the God that we're really serving. And so those are the things I want us to be aware of. And I want us to be, I want us to be very sensitive to because I see so many people that they come into Christianity and they have these expectations and, and they think that God's going to serve them and that, and that maybe we have this misunderstanding or this perception that nothing bad, really bad is going to happen in my life. And how many know when you're serving the Lord long enough, that's not true, that, that bad things still happen in our lives, but that doesn't mean that God isn't good. 
And that doesn't mean that God can't use it for his purpose and his good. But if we shape God in the God that we want, the God that serves us, then when those times happen, what's going to happen is we're going to be misinformed and the rug's going to be pulled out from underneath us. And it's going to reveal the kind of faith that we really have. And many people walk away. And many people, their faith is shipwrecked because they become disillusioned with the God that they created, not the God that we see in the word of God. And if we understand the God that's in the word of God, that's going to protect you from the bangs in life. That, that's going to help you to get through the disappointments in life when you understand the true character of God. And this is where I think Israel missed it. They missed serving the God who loved them, who wanted a relationship with them, and they fell in love with the things around them more than they did for the God who redeemed them. And so I want you to know that that in a relationship with God, he can really break the harmful cycles in your life. And I know that, that for many of us, we, we get in this dysfunctional cycle of bad choices and bad relationships. And we're like, man, God, why do I make these bad choices? Why am I doing this? And I, I think we need to be careful of the God that we're really serving. And have we created a God in our, in our liking and not the God that, that we see through the word of God. So I want to look at what's going on inside of Israel that caused them to live in this disunity with God. So the problem with Israel wasn't really the nations around them. The problem with Israel was Israel. And I think for us, the problem with us many times is not out there. It's in here. And if we deal with this in our own hearts, I think we're going to be able to deal with life in a much different perspective. And so the greatest obstacle in your life will always be you. Always be you. How you handle those disappointments. How do you handle the struggles? How do you handle the trials in your life? It will always be you. And so what's interesting about the last five chapters of Judges is that uh, we depart from this earlier structure that we've been reading about God raising up these judges or these leaders to, to deliver them. And so the first 18 chapters gives us this drone eye view of what's going on in Israel. And we know people were doing what was wrong and God sent them a leader to, uh, to rescue them. But the last five chapters actually give us this ground view of what's going on in their lives. And it shows us the reality of their lives. And so I want to just summarize really the last part of judges, the last five chapters. And let me just give you some verses here that kind of just give us an insight of what's going on in their life. Judges seventeen six says in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. That's never good. Judge, let's go on the next chapter. Judges 18.1. Now in those days, Israel had no king. Judges 19.1. Now in, in, in those days, Israel had no king. Judges 21.25, the last chapter. It said in those days, Israel had no king and all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Do you see the common thread there? We, we see two things there. They had no king and they did whatever. That's not good for spiritual success in your life and following God. And so they had no leadership. They had no one godly leading them. No one stood up. Um, the, the great leaders of Moses and Joshua and Caleb are, are gone. And, and so there's, there's this void of someone standing up and saying, let's do what's right. Let me encourage you to follow the Lord. Um, Tony Dungy, I have a lot of respect for him. He was former NFL coach, Super Bowl winning coach, very strong believer. And he said this, he said, the, se the secret to success in good leadership, in good leadership, 
And good leadership is all about making the lives of your team members and your workers better. You see, they had no Moses, they had no Joshua, they had no one leading them, no one stepping up. And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for godly men that have been placed in my life. Somebody that I could look to that says, this is how you follow God. Not, not to say they were, were perfect, but somebody I could look to, especially in my younger formative years as a Christian, somebody they could look to that was really following God, that was, that was stepping up. And, and, and one of those godly men w- was my dad in my life, and I'm so thankful for that. And I've noticed a common denominator in godly men that helped me to grow my walk with Christ. And I'll tell you, one word I could think of is faithfulness. I, these men I could see were faithful to God's word, faithful to their church, their local church, faithful to ministry and serving, faithful in their marriages. And, and it's, it's wonderful when you can look to somebody and say, that's somebody that I want to follow. That's somebody I want to look to. That's someone that I want to pattern my life after. And I'm so thankful for um, those godly men in my life that have kind of helped me and came by my side and to show me how to read God's word. And, and let me, can I just encourage you, if you're, if you're struggling in your walk with the Lord or if you're struggling in your growth in your walk with the Lord, I would so encourage you to get plugged into a small group and get together with other, other godly men. Um, if I can just speak to the men for a moment. Um, you know, we've got a group called SoulCon that meets on the second Saturday mornings of every month. That guys that struggle, just like you do, but we get together and we encourage each other. And to help each other grow and to show each other how to grow. We've got a group of godly men that meet on Thursday mornings, every Thursday morning at 6.30. You're up that early and you can come before you go to work. And um, I'd encourage you to do that. We need each other. And we need to help each other grow. We need to look to other people that are growing in their walk too that can help us grow in our walk. And I'm so thankful for those faithful men who walk with Christ and faithful in their marriages and faithful serving God and faithful giving to God. See, the worst thing you can ever do in your life, in our lives, is whatever. And, and, and that's exactly what Israel did. They just did whatever. Whatever they thought was right in their own eyes. See, whatever goes nowhere and it leads you nowhere. And there's a story, I want to focus on a story in chapter 17 of Judges that gives us great insight to the spiritual condition of Israel and why they were in such a mess. And this, I believe this story parallels our lives and and how we can reshape reshape God into the God that we uh, want. And there's this man, his name was Micah, and what Micah does, we're going to see in the story, we're going to read it in just a moment, the word of God. What Micah does is he steals um, some silver from his mom. And the, the Bible tells us that he steals 1,100 shekels of silver from his mom. And basically, if you were to equate that in today's worth, it's just thousands of dollars that he steals from his mom. And so I want to read this to you, and it kind of gives us the insight into the heart of Israel and how we need to protect our, ourselves from maybe creating the God that, that, that we necessarily want in our lives. And so let's look at Judges 17 here, and here, here's the story and what it says. It says, there was a man named Micah who lived in the hill country of Ephraim. And one day he said to his mother, I heard you place a curse 
on the person who stole 1,100 pieces of silver from you. So now he's getting worried. He's like, "Uh uh-oh, I heard my mama praying. And she's praying curses and fire down from heaven on the person who stole the money. And he says, well, I have the money. And he fesses up to it. And he says, I was the one who took it. And this is the mother's response. She says, the Lord bless you for admitting it, his mother replied. And he returned the money to her. And she said, I will dedicate this silver coins to the Lord in honor of my son. And I will have an image carved and an idol cast. So when he returned the money to his mother, she took 200 silver coins and gave it to the silversmith who made it into an image and an idol. And and these were placed in, in Micah's house. I hope this doesn't make sense to you, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna work this out. Um, M- Micah set up a shrine for the idol, and then he made a sacred ephod and some household idols. Then he installed one of his own sons as his personal priest. Well, how convenient is that, right? And then what does verse 6 say? In those days, Israel had no king. And all the people did whatever seemed was right in their own eyes. Now, you know, at first glance, we're thinking, oh, this is a great story. You know, the mother forgave her son. Um, They did some religious things. All better. No foul. No harm here. But a closer look will show how far they were away from God. So let me break this down for you. So Micah steals $1,000 from his mom. He, He gives it back to her. Uh, because she was calling curses down to the person who stole it. And so she forgives him. But the interesting thing here is she forgives him with absolutely no consequences. And in fact, she, she almost embellishes her son by creating this idol to be placed in his house. So she forgives him with no consequences. And now she dedicates the silver to the Lord, wants her son to make an idol, breaking the second commandment, not to have any graven images. Do you, do you see the mixture here of how they're dedicating something to the Lord, but then they're so far away from what God wanted for them and, and the very commands of God by justifying what they were doing by saying, I'm going to dedicate this to the Lord And so it justified in their minds of creating an idol, which God didn't want them to do if they would just understand the commands of God. And oh, it gets better. It gets better. Then then he sets up this idol. He makes a shrine. And then he makes one of his own sons a priest. Now, everything that he does is entirely out of God's plan. And what this shows is that they knew enough about God to be dangerous. They knew enough to be dangerous. So Micah could have very well been sincere, but it shows how far they've gotten away from God's word. It showed how far they've gotten away from God's instructions for their very lives. So Micah and his mother were mistaken to think that this was the way to worship God. God said, I don't want anything to come between me and you. That's why I don't want any graven images because you'll end up worshiping that image more than me. And so Micah shaped the God that he wanted to worship. Micah did not worship the God the way he wanted to be worshiped. And so my my question for you this morning is how, how can we do the same? And I believe we can do the same. 
Have you ever heard someone say this? Um, I don't believe in a God like that. You ever heard someone say that? I don't believe in a God like that. Or um, I like to think of God as dot, dot, dot. Right? And so we may not worship a carved idol, but are we worshiping a God through the work of our own hands? So look at the next one. We may not be doing that, but are we worshiping a God through the work of our own hands? So here's what, here's what begins to happen. The further and further and further we get away from God's word and what, what God has for us, the more we begin to shape the God that we desire that is comfortable to us. So what begins to happen is what, what I've noticed the pattern in many people's lives, and this is where we need to be careful, when we begin to slip away from God's word and his standard that he has for us because he wants to protect us from sin and the, and the devastating effects of that, the further and further we get away from God's um, commands is what begins to happen is we begin to redefine God to justify our own actions. We begin, we begin to reshape what we feel God means by that so that we feel comfortable in whatever sin that might be. And, and that's where it gets dangerous. Uh, for us if we're not careful. So, so the question we need to ask ourselves is this, are we shaping God to fit our needs or are we allowing God to reshape our hearts to serve his needs? See, what discipleship is, discipleship is coming under the lordship of Jesus. It, it's, it's, it's coming under the savior, Jesus Christ, and saying, God, I'm here to serve you. And how many know that sometimes God's words are hard and they're difficult? And I'm not saying that we completely obey that or we do everything perfect. But, but the, if there's never a struggle in my life with coming under the lordship of Jesus Christ, then just maybe I'm reshaping a God to fit my needs, to make me feel comfortable. And I think that's where we need to be careful because there needs to be a struggle. You may hear something on a Sunday morning and say, man... I don't like what Pastor Barton said. You know, maybe it's something out of God's word. Maybe it's challenging some area of your life and you're like, man, I didn't like what that said. And we have to go back to our hearts. It's like, is it, is it I didn't like what Pastor Barton said or I didn't like what the word of God said because it's challenging my heart to come under obedience to some area in my life that God desires to have. That was good. That was good. Okay. It's okay. That was good. Okay. So see, what Micah did was He created his own place of worship, his own temple, his own theology. That's what he ended up doing. So he created his own pseudo temple. God had strict instructions for for the temple and how the priest would serve in the temple. So his son played the priest, but we understand from God's word that the priest could only come from the tribe of Levi. The high priest had to come from the line of Aaron, who was Moses' brother. And an ephod was a priestly garment only worn by the high priest. Micah went against all that and said, I don't really care about that. I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to create this, um, my own theology, my own religion, and, and, and I'm going to serve God the way I want to serve them. And so God was careful to instruct Israel on where he wanted them to worship, how he wanted them to worship for this reason. God is holy and we are not. We, we have to come to God to find our holiness. We have to come to Christ to find our righteousness. We come to God as sinners and fallen short of his perfection. 
And God says, I love you so much that I'm going to make a way for you through the righteousness of my son. By Jesus becoming a substitute for us on the cross, Jesus takes on our sin. And then in return, what God does is he gives us his son's righteousness. That's a pretty good deal. So for those of you who feel like a failure as a Christian or feel like, Pastor, I just make so many mistakes and you know, we all make mistakes, but here's the good news. You fall in the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And what God does is he places his son's righteousness in our life. He literally imputes it into our life. And even though we may make mistakes, we can come to God in repentance and find forgiveness and healing through Christ. Jesus is what makes us righteous, not all my little righteous acts that I do, because how many know that there's not enough righteous acts that I could do to ever measure up to a perfect, holy God? See, Micah missed the holiness of God and why God set these restrictions for them. He got so far away from God that he forgot about why God was God and why he wasn't. And I think what we can do is we can take God and his holiness and his awesomeness and we can shrink him down to us and make him this nice, comfy, cozy, snuggy God, right? That would have been a good title for my message, the snuggy God, right? <laughs> and that's what we can end up doing. But how many know God is unapproachable? Nothing could approach God without dying. And God knew that about us. And so that's why God had his strict standards in the Old Testament about how you were to approach him and who could approach him. But all through the sacrificial system, it showed God's holiness and the separation that we have from him, but it also showed there's an atonement part of it that God says, I want to atone for your sins. I want to cover them because I want to have a relationship with you. And that's why Jesus is such a glorious savior. That's why I love taking communion. Because what it does is it shows us that God did everything for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. That God sends his son Jesus in our place to become our substitute so that we can now approach God. So I can now approach God with confidence and boldness, not because of Bard and Gerace, because I'm a failure in so many different ways, but I can come in the confidence of Jesus because Jesus died for my sins. And now I can come with that confidence before him and say, God, here, Here's the deal. I was impatient this week. I thought things I shouldn't think, and I'm just going to give them to you because I need your help. And I can only do it through your son, Jesus. And that's where the mercy and grace of Jesus comes to our lives. Amen? It's a beautiful thing when those things begin to happen. And that's what I want for your life, that you understand the beauty and the mercy of Jesus. And so what's the warning for us? Here's the warning for us. Tim Keller says, that we can end up worshiping a comfortable God, but also a non-existent one. Is your God comfortable? I know God is loving and he cares for us and we have his grace, but also there should be a prodding in our heart of discipleship that says, there's some things in my life that ought to change too. So if we ignore the parts of God that we don't like, then we end up not allowing God to contradict the things that are wrong in our lives. How many of you like to be told no? No one likes to be told no at times, right? 
And it's hard for us to hear that, but there are times, there are parts, if we ignore the parts of God that we don't like, then we end up allowing, we're not going to allow God to contradict the things that might be out of sync with him in our lives. And that's where obedience comes in. You see, God wants us to wrestle with him at times and maybe at times to feel uncomfortable, but that's okay. He wants us to seek him and to work out the things that we struggle with. And so we will never grow in our relationship with God if we are comfortable with him. If we settle for this comfortable relationship, we're never going to grow. So there are going to be times in your life that you're going to wrestle with things and God's going to speak to your heart. But that's okay. Let, let God wrestle, wrestle with God with those things that you need to bring in obedience um, to him, Right? You know, it, it, it may be an area of, of your finances. It may, be, it may be an area of just your things that in your lifestyle that you're like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know if this should be part of my life anymore. Um, I'm struggling with it. Struggle with it. Pray about it. Let, God, let, let God's Holy Spirit convict you in those areas to help you grow in him. Wrestle with it. It's okay. See, if we reshape God into the God we want, we will... Never be provoked to be better. Never be provoked to better our lives and just always settle for mediocrity. See, if, if, if I settle for just coming to church and putting in my time, but nothing more, I'm not going to grow. But if I challenge myself to get plugged in maybe to a small group or, or really challenge myself to read God's word or read a book, a good book that encourages me in my walk with God, Step out of my comfort zone. Let God challenge you in, in those ways so that you can grow in your walk with him. The sad part about Micah is at the end, Micah lost everything and another tribe in Israel took all of his religious stuff that he had made and that he thought was the source of his blessing. And so what Micah would discover is this. He would discover the emptiness of self-made religion that it ultimately didn't deliver what he thought it promised. So are we looking to things to bring us meaning, money, power, relationships? Eventually they'll let us down. And we can even look to our own version of God to bring us meaning. Maybe we can say that I have confidence in my walk with God because I went to church today or I did some religious thing. But what happens when our relationships don't work out or money doesn't bring me the satisfaction that I thought it would? What happens when church lets me down? What happens when another Christian lets me down? Or doesn't live up to my expectations? See, when things let us down or are taken away, does the floor crumble beneath us? You see, when our lives are attached to Jesus and Jesus alone, he becomes our everything. And we're going to realize that people are going to let us down. The church is going to let us down. Pastor Barden's going to let me down at times. Life is going to let me down. But if Jesus is my everything, then he's my solid foundation. He's going to become my satisfaction. When all of, many of Jesus' followers began to leave him because Jesus began to have very hard teachings, and we can see this in John chapter 6. Jesus looked at his disciples. He said, are you guys going to leave me too? 
Jesus, where are all the, where are all the meals? Where's the fish? Where's the bread? Where's all the meals? Where's all the miracles? Where's all the things that you're giving out? And all of a sudden, Jesus started being very hard teachings on discipleship and the cost of following him. And people got disillusioned and they left because Jesus wasn't meeting their material and physical needs now. And the teachings became harder. And then Jesus looks at the disciple, you're going to leave too. And I love what Peter says. Peter says in John 6, 68, he says, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. Corey Ten Boom lived through the Holocaust. She says, you may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Listen, I'm sorry for some of you that have been disillusioned by Christianity or maybe another church. Maybe you just found your way back to church because you were so hurt. I'm sorry about that, and that stinks. I'm sorry about some of you that maybe you blamed God for a death, something unexpected, and you're hurting over that, and you're not sure about serving God because you've been hurt by life. I want to let you know it's not God's fault. Jesus even said this to us. He said, listen, I want to give you peace and understand my peace, but in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Life is going to be difficult. But God says, don't shape me into some lesser form of me that will not ultimately meet your needs. Life is going to be difficult, but I will see you through, and I will walk with you through it, and I will not leave you, and I will not forsake you. That's when Christianity gets real. So my question to you as we, as we take communion this morning, but Spirit, take communion, is there any area of your life that you're holding back from God? Is, is there an area that you're struggling with, that, that you're having trouble just giving to God in obedience? Is there an area of your life that, that you know that God has been dealing with you in and you've been kind of justifying it or trying to reshape God to make it more comfortable, but it's just not working? <laughs> I would encourage you just to say that there's a cost to your discipleship. And life's not always going to work out the way you want it to work out. But the one thing I've learned in all the ups and downs um, in my walk with the Lord through the disappointments and things that didn't work out maybe the way I thought they would work out is that God is still good. And it was through the disappointments in my life and the things that didn't work out that I grew the most in my walk with him, that I believe that my faith really began to get deeper roots. And that's what God wants for you. He uses our struggles and our pains to draw you closer to him if you allow him to do that. So I would just tell you, don't minimize God to some idol that makes you feel good. Don't do that. Let God be God in your life. Through all the struggles and the pains, just let him be who he is. Don't lessen him.
remember there was a point in my life where I just had to relinquish everything. And just say, God, you've got to do what you've got to do in my heart. As hard and as painful as it is, you do the deeper work. And that's just obedience. And that's what Jesus did with his father. Not your will be done, but my will. That's what the apostles had to do. God, you do what you need to do. But there's great joy that came with it. Because you will discover who God really is. And that's who he wants to be in your life. Amen. So Father God, as we just come before you today and as we just uh, take communion this morning. Lord, I pray for your church today. Lord, I just pray that you would do that deeper work in our heart. And I know there may be some here today that are just struggling, maybe struggling with things that are happening in their life, things that just don't make sense. And I just pray, God, that they would just give that to you and you would show yourself true to them. That you walk with us through our struggles, that we can look to Jesus and understand that he can sympathize with us, that he's gone through everything that we've gone through, yet without sin. So we have that faithful, faithful Savior that can empathize and sympathize with us that we can turn to in our struggles and knowing that our hope is not in this world, but our hope is in the one who overcame this world, and that's Jesus, that death no longer holds us down. That even though we die, we live with Jesus because he conquered the grave. So, Lord, let that be our hope. But even as we struggle, Lord, may we allow you to be who you need to be in our lives as we come before you and as we submit ourselves before you in obedience today. And I thank you that you'll be with us and that you won't leave us. That's the hope that we have today. In Jesus' name.